My name is Sean Barkley, a Presbyterian minister, and you are just hearing the dulcet tones of the wallflowers. I love that classic sound. I guess, can you say it's classic if it's from the 90s? It's classic for me, and so I hope uh, you enjoy it. Hope you're having a great day. We spend about 15 or 20 minutes, 10 minutes, give or take, every week at what we call the well, where we exchange ideas, we come and drink from the life-giving water of God's Word, and look at God's insight and God's wisdom for living in today's world. And so I'm glad to have you along for the day. So this morning I was walking my dog and walked past a group of people in the village where I live. I live just outside of Cincinnati. And they were having a food drive for needy families. And it was an interesting sight to behold. There was music playing. There was a guy playing a keyboard. There were people literally dancing. We're talking Saturday morning at 9.30. Uh, They were enjoying some uh, community feelings with one another and and laughing and having a good time. They were collecting items for people who were in need, so they were doing good deeds. And as I walked from that scene and processed that, here's what I thought. That's their church. I mean, think about it. What is the difference between what they were doing this morning in that village square where I live and what a church does. Now, of course, there's some obvious answers, but let's think about the similarities first. They were enjoying music together. They were enjoying live music. They were enjoying company, companionship, community. To use a churchy word, they were enjoying fellowship, and they were doing good deeds with one another. And so for many of them, that might be church. What would distinguish what we call church or living a Christ-like lifestyle from what they're doing right there. Nothing wrong with what they're doing. In fact, they were doing a a marvelous thing. It was a great thing to see. But what's different? And here's what I thought. What sets us apart as the church is Jesus, pure and simple. Christ is at the center of everything we do, and we are called not only to enjoy Christian community or community and enjoy music, enjoy working together for a common cause and doing good work in the community, but we also are called to center our lives on Christ and we're called to worship Him. And I want to take just a minute this morning and think about worship with you. Because what we're seeing in our culture is that worship attendance across the board is declining significantly and rapidly. And what we're seeing is that more and more people will say, I am a follower of Christ, I'm a believer, but worship... I just can't, Sunday morning, come on. I've got too much going on in my life. And so the church is trying to adjust and be nimble and figure out how do we reach these different groups of people. Bible has a lot to say about worship. First of all, we're called to worship. But then Paul writes this to his church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And I love how he sets it up. This is what it means to be living wisely. And then he goes on and says, Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And what I want to do is see with you some of the things that we learn about worship and the importance of worship and how it's done. As I read that text, there are two things that jump out in my mind immediately, two things that strike me. One is that there are, there are two parties present in this passage. 
First he says, speak to one another. And then he writes, sing and make music to the Lord and give thanks to God. You see, what we see is that these two parties are this. One, we are to recognize that worship involves being in the community of faith. Speak to one another. Be present with one another. Enjoy one another. Support one another. Encourage one another. Worship begins with one another. We don't just do this on our own and by ourselves. And then the other thing we see, the second piece of that is, sing and make music to the Lord and give thanks. In other words, God is the recipient of our praise. God is the recipient of our thanks. And so when we gather for worship, what we're thinking is, I am in the community of faith, but everything we're doing as we love each other and support each other and encourage each other is focusing us all on God. And we sing praises to God and we give thanks to God. Three things. Um, well, not three things. I said two. That's already one. Let's make it a total of three. It's a moving target we've got here this morning. But I want to look at some ideas about worship from this passage with you. Paul begins by encouraging the Christians there in Ephesus. Remember, they're, it's, they're just getting started. Um, they're just learning what it means to live wisely and faithfully. They're just learning what it means to have worship as a part of their lifestyle. And he says, when you worship, worship God with your whole heart. Now, the word heart is commonly used in Scripture uh, to put it simply as the ruling center of a person's life, the core for who that person is. Um, that person's will, character, personality, feelings, and thoughts, all those things are the heart. It, it basically is the sum total of who you are as a human being. In fact, often in the Old Testament, the word heart is used interchangeably with the word soul. And so God is saying, when you gather and worship, give God your all. Give God everything you have. Don't just give God a a piece of your time or a, or a piece of your mind or a piece of your heart or a piece of your will. Let worship be this moment where you offer it all to God. And I want to dig a little deeper with that concept because when I was looking at that idea, okay, we're going to worship God. We've got to be together. That's what worship is. It's corporate. It's community. And also it's focused on God or Christ-centered. We're going to sing and make music to God. We're going to give thanks and praise to God. That's what makes it different than the group of people listening to Frank Sinatra music this morning in the village square where I live is it's not only community, but it's also focused on God. But there's something else in this passage, y'all, that is so fascinating to me. What I noticed is that it is connected to Paul's instructions about marriage. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? He prefaces a discussion about marriage with a monologue about worship. And to add to that, some scholars write that the word here for hymns, he writes, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna give thanks to God, you're gonna sing and make music to God, you're gonna um, speak to one another with psalms and hymns. The word hymns there in the Ephesian passage is normally used in the context of music for a wedding ceremony. So we really have this strong connection between this idea of marriage and this idea of worship. And the connection, as I see it, is unmistakable. Just as marriage is an intimate relationship and a wedding is a celebration of that intimacy, worship is a celebration of the intimate relationship between you and me with not only one another, but also with our Lord, with Christ. You know, when I think about intimacy and in relationships, 
um, and in worship, what strikes me is we have to learn to be present with one another. Uh, I saw not too long ago, and, and this is a cautionary and familiar tale. You've seen it too. My wife and I were out to dinner one night, and there was a family of four dining close to us. And, you know, I'm going to say parents are in their 40s, 50s, children are in their teens, probably. And they are sitting at this table. They are waiting for their food, and all four of them are looking at, guess what? You got it. They're looking at their telephones, of course. And so for long stretches of this time while they're waiting for their food, they're not even looking at each other. They're not even acknowledging each other. And so what they were, they were present physically with one another, but they were not present emotionally, spiritually, any other way. What Paul says to us here is, worship is that moment where we are present with God. It's an intimate time. And I want to follow up on that because to have true intimacy, we have to be real with one another. I mean, in a marriage... Spouses see each other for who they really are. Uh, my wife knows things about me that no one else does. Uh, my wife knows that when I drive in the car, I get impatient. Everyone, not everyone, a lot of people would say, you know, Sean's a pretty patient guy, and he's been a pastor for a long time. When I'm in the car, I am not patient. I mean, I've almost worn the horn out in my car. Uh, so we know things about each other. We transfer that to worship. And what we want to do is say, I'm going to be real with God right now. I'm going to present my whole self to God, my whole heart. Uh, I'm going to be present with God emotionally and spiritually. I am also going to be completely transparent. Because worship is this intimate time we spend with God. And that's something that's becoming more and more difficult for us as a culture. I read an article not long ago entitled, The More Miserable... What's, let me say first, it's about online personas, and in particular, social media. And the article was entitled, The More Miserable You Are, The Happier Your Social Media Posts. And there is example after example of people making these wonderful social media posts and then being asked about that post by the author of this article, and they said, I was bawling my eyes out right before that picture was taken. And they look so happy. I mean, I know I know a family that... I've seen them on social media, this platform in particular is Facebook. I've seen them uh, time and time again. They're traveling, they're, you know, good food and good wine in exotic places, and they're having a big time, and their arms are around each other constantly. And then you read they're getting divorced. And, there's, and the conclusion is pretty obvious. That was all a farce. It was a charade that they were playing. And I think a lot of us kind of play those charades when we enter into worship. You know, we kind of wear our masks, and we say, I'm just going to... I'm wearing some of my nicest clothes. I want to appear a certain way. Um, and what God says to us is, this is, like a, this, this is like a wedding ceremony where we are celebrating true intimacy and true togetherness and true closeness. And so that's some food for thought. So if you ever find yourself walking around like I was this morning, or maybe you're a member of like a club, like a rotary club or whatever, country club, although club membership, like church membership, is really declining. Consider what the difference is between that club or that scene that you might see, like I saw this morning of people collecting canned goods, in church. And remember that Jesus, first of all, he said, this, the church is my creation. You need to be a part of it. We are told in Scripture, it is your call to worship. You are to be active in that. 
And we learn from Paul that when we worship, we are supporting and connecting with one another, but most importantly, we are centering our praise and all our conversations and everything we do on God. I hope you have a terrific week. I hope that you find yourself, that you take yourself to a worship service. Thanks for being a part of The Well, and I'll see you next time.